everyone. I'm Mark DeGrasse with the In the Garage podcast with CarParts.com, and I'm here with Michael Chang. We're talking how to buy a car and not make a bunch of dumb mistakes that newbies do when they buy a car that has a bunch of issues or situations that you could have easily avoided, even if you're not a mechanic. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Now, I know we talked about you having a few imports, a uh, bunch of different types of cars over the years. Uh, I'm sure you have a few tips for you know people to, to find a car, not just a car that they're going to you know not be broken all the time, but actually will enjoy. Uh, now, you started with uh, RX-7, you were saying? Yes, I started with an 18 RX-7 that I found on Craigslist you know, nice. years and years ago, and I paid $500 for it. Nice. I didn't know, you know you're supposed to take it somewhere, get a compression <laughs> test, you know, have it looked over. So I forked over $500 and there goes my first car. There you my go. My first car ever, manual transmission. I learned how to drive manual transmission on that car. <laughs> and three months later, it broke. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that break that happened, could that have been avoided if you uh, had checked anything out or was it just well, I, a $500 car is going to have the, issues? The uh, engine blew up oh the engine blew so, up. so okay, you know yeah, that could one. have been noticed if i just had a compression test done mm. okay so so you know just the first tip you would say is if you do find a car that looks pretty good or or maybe just a car that's too good to be true because i mean that sounds like a sweet deal even in 89 to get you know an rx7 for 500 bucks right. um so did, was it uh, what was the issue how did it blow up well it's your typical rotary problem uh, okay yeah so but I would say that if you are buying your first car, mm. you're 16, you're 17, you're buying a first car, you save money, you should really, at, at this moment, that, at you know this time that we're in, there are so many places you could look. There are Facebook groups on every mm. single car there is out there. I've seen Facebook groups of just talking about a particular car, a model, and all the issues that they have. Mm. So there is plenty of research to be done. You may have a dream car. You may find a really good deal for your dream car. Don't get it. You know, let it go over your head. Calm down. Take a look at the issues. How much it will possibly cost to fix. And just do your research. There are so many different places you could do research now on a car that, you know, it amazes me how much information is out there. Well, I think fine. Well, but the the deal is so enticing because I think what happens uh, is you kind of fall in love with the car and you're like, oh my gosh, it's the perfect deal. It's what I, I've always wanted. And here it is. And this person's selling it for almost nothing. Uh, <laughs> would you say, I, let's say that you can't find somebody to do the compression test. Uh, do you have a list of items that you would say, okay, here's the things that you should check bare minimum to make sure that the car is not going to blow up in three months? Sure. I mean, if you're buying a new to you car, a pre-owned car, mm-hmm. The easiest thing to check for if you're not mechanically inclined would be just to open that oil cap, take a look on the underside of the oil cap, and see if you see a milky residue. Mm. Milky residue means that there is coolant leaked and Uh it got mixed into your oil. And a lot of times that just means the car has a blown heck gasket. Mm. So immediately you're going to be at least a few thousand dollars into that car after buying the car. Yes. 
Well, and that's that's a, a huge decision. I mean, a couple thousand dollars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on top of whatever you just paid for it these days uh, is way too much money. And you, and all of us just can't afford that. My, my wife, she actually had uh, a car. I can't remember. Uh, what was that? Turag. That's what it was. <laughs> and they had put water in the uh, radiator instead of antifreeze. And so what happened was when we went up to Yosemite or whatever, it froze and then it just cracked. And that was it. We had to drive back from Mammoth to Southern California going, I think, 25 miles an hour. Oh, and then stopping every so often to pour more <laughs> into the radiator. Oh, that was a nightmare. Uh, but like you said, you know, there's just a few things you could do. I also had some experience where uh, a friend of mine would go to police auctions and then we'd you know, go through a checklist uh, just to check. I mean, but we still ended up with a car that had an air conditioning you know, unit that didn't work. Uh, that was the other thing, like, you find your first car, you're excited, you know that's what you want. You should have a checklist. Mm. You should know what the uh, what features the car has. You look at those features, and you make sure they all work. Mm. You make sure your turn signals work, you make sure your headlights work, taillights work, brake lights work, all those very basic things. Then you make sure to see, hey, does the sunroof open if it has one? Does it close? Does all my win- Do all my windows work? Does the AC work? All those things you need to at least flick on the switch and go, hey, does this work? Mm. No, and it sounds almost too easy, but it is really just that easy. Just go through and check all the things to, because, you know, those will add up too. Because you can say, oh, well, that windows, it's going down a little funny, but whatever, it'll be fine. Uh, but that's just one of the, the kind of, you know, dangers that you have when buying a car. I know with, with imports, especially, cause I used to be like, oh my gosh, this guy already did all the work. It has the cold air intake and it has, you know, all these different features, but that car was probably raced somewhere. <laughs> uh, to get into that, I actually have a story. Uh, I found this car that I really wanted. Mm. It was an 06 Elise. Nice. This was 2009. I was getting out of my RX-8, and I just needed, you know, I was young at the time. I needed another sports car, so to speak. And I found this great deal on a Lotus Elise that had 3,000 miles on it out of Arizona. And the guy only wanted like $27,000. A three-year-old Elise was going for at least 40000 at the time. I flew out to Arizona. I looked at the car. I test drove it. And I said, here's a cashier's check for 27000 Thank you very much. Sign the title over. And I drove home. On the way home, uh, I think it was third going into fourth. There was grinding. Uh. I didn't take it up to fourth on my test drive. You know, it's, it was somebody else's car. I wasn't going to yeah, drive like crazy. crazy yeah. And I ignored it. I thought, well, maybe it just need we'll a new it. clutch or a synchros or whatever it needs. Yeah. Not a big deal. And I chose to continue to ignore it until one day it just wouldn't go into gear. I'm like, what's going on here? And that was at the beginning stages of car forums online. Mm. And, you know, I don't think Facebook was very big back then. There certainly wasn't any Facebook groups. So I did a little bit more digging. Turned out the guy that I bought the car from, those 3,000 miles that he had on the car were all track miles. And he didn't maintain the car. He just, yeah, he's, he's he just, hey, this thing started grinding. I'm going to go get, get it checked out. Apparently, he needed a new transmission. Oh, so he man. dumped it on me. 
Download the CarParts.com app and accelerate convenience with access to over 850,000 auto parts at your fingertips. We make it easier to find the parts you need, anytime, anywhere. Get it now on the Apple App Store and Google Play. J.C. Whitney is back. The original auto parts catalog, a garage staple and cultural cornerstone for over 100 years, is now a magazine. Whether you're a newcomer or a longtime gearhead, J.C. Whitney instills confidence by delivering expertly curated auto parts and a gateway to engaging community experiences, entertainment, resources, and inspiration. Learn more about the new J.C. Whitney at jcwhitney.com. And I chose to ignore the signs because it was a car that I really wanted. Yeah, yeah, you're in love with it. Yeah, I was in love with it. It was such a good deal. I didn't want to believe that anything could go wrong within those 3,000 miles. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, but I mean, uh, how much was the transition? Did it even out once you fixed no, it? No, I told close. my buddy, one of my buddies, hey, uh, this car is a broken transmission. You want to buy it for like 20 grand? And I dumped it on him. Oh, okay. <laughs> After telling him that the transmission is broken, yeah. Ah, well, you disclosed it. That's, yeah, I disclosed part, it. Yeah. Well, no, that's, uh, yeah, I, I had a similar story, but it actually worked out well. I, I found a, a G35 2005, I think it must have been like three, four years old, mm -hmm. and I got it for 25000 And at the time, I think it was worth like thirty-seven. Actually, I took it to the bank afterwards and said, hey, I would just want to take it alone because I bought it cash. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's thirty-seven. How much do you want? And I was like, oh. This is dangerous. <laughs> All of it. No, no, it took some, but, but, you know, it is possible to find those deals. But like you're saying, you know, if you just do the basic checklist, would you say now, do you take cars all the way through all gears uh, when you test drive? I have three kids now and a wife, so, you know, I don't really buy manual transmission anymore, <laughs> You don't buy Lotus anymore? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't fit into it anymore. <laughs> Well, you know, getting more practical, that makes sense. Uh, but I mean, just well, just doing that, though, would have helped. And I think if yeah. you if you do do a manual transmission, I think that'd be an easy step. If I don't just roll through all the just gears. Just go through all the yeah. gears. Not a big deal. It takes a few minutes. And, and honestly, somebody selling their car, I always expect everybody to do everything, right? Like, yeah, test everything, mess around with it. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are either polite or they think it's unnecessary to check those things. But right. it all adds up. Not, not just the big yep. things, but just the little things add up, you know, paint issues, yep. stuff like yep. that. So, you know. And, you know, talk about paint issues. Uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, mm. she had, this is before we started dating, she had bought a uh, 2006 Sequoia that was mm. repoed. So she had bought the car after somebody else bought it, and, you know, within three months, they didn't make three payments. No. Oh. Banking came and got it. Dealership took a hold of it and sold it to her. Hmm. We were, you know, seeing each other casually. It wasn't a serious thing yet. So she buys the car and then she tells me, I told her, you know, you should have called me. I used to detail cars, you know, in college to pay for stuff. Hmm. So I had a pink thickness gauge. Uh. She tells me she buys this car as three months old. I'm like, well, let me just, you know, test it. Uh, everything came out pretty normal. Except the driver's side door was measuring something like 250 microns. To give you a baseline idea, your regular Japanese import will usually measure between 90 to 120 microns. Uh, okay. Lexus maybe a little thicker. You know, your, your nicer luxury models maybe a little thicker. Your typical German import will measure 150, 160, maybe mm. a little higher. And 
your hand-built cars, the really expensive ones, they'll measure much higher because it's hand-painted. But, you know, with that said, like, you imagine you're in a factory setting, there's a robotic arm that's painting your car. It's a very, very fine gun that they use, Mm. a spray head that they use. So 90 to 120 micron is typical. 250 (laughs) micron on a driver's side door tells me that the door has been repaired and repainted. Now, on top of that, they somehow swindled her into paying like $3,000 over MSRP. Just because? Just because. Yeah. It wasn't warranty they, for a million years or something. They probably took advantage of her because they saw that it was a girl that doesn't know anything about cars. She somehow bought all these things that and I'm like, you don't need that. Yeah. Uh, there was like a low jack that she didn't. Who is going to go out and steal a Sequoia in 2009 <laughs> or 2006, whatever it was? You know, so that's that. But pink thickness gauge is something I would tell people to always invest in one. Only because there are folks out there who getting a car accident, it's a minor accident, or whatever it is, they pay cash for the repair. It mm-hmm. doesn't go on Carfax. Yes. You could find pink thickness gauge on Amazon, 50 dollars $100, $150. Okay. And it will tell you on all of the metal surfaces. So it won't tell you like if the plastic bumper is being painted. But you could go over a baseline, you know, your Japanese cars are... 90 to 120. If you start seeing 200, 300, you know. it's definitely be repainted and, you know, it would be wise to at least pay a guy to come out and take a look, you know, with a PPI. If you don't know anybody that's mechanical inclined, go to a, go to a mechanical shop, go to a body shop, say, tell them, hey, I need a PPI. How much do you charge? You decide if it's worth it. If you see mm. things that's really off, a body panels doesn't line up. Um, a lot of times when something's been replaced, you need to take the bolts off, right? Mm. But when you use a tool to take the bolts off, it'll scratch the bolts. So you could literally just look at the bolts oh. you know, on the hood, in the trunk, and see, has that been torqued? Mm. Multiple times, maybe. You know, take it off, put it on. Take it off, put it on. Make sure everything fits right. So those are all very good telltale signs that you can look for. Uh, next I would say is look under the carpet does it smell does it have uh, a musty smell that could be a sign that the carpet was flooded do you see any mold after you pull up the carpets that would also be a telltale sign of you know the car was flooded at one point of course Carfax is always good if if the person that you're buying the car from or the dealership that you're buying the car from does not have service records. Mm. A lot of times on Carfax, it will actually show you basic service records. If it was done at a dealership or yeah. you know one of those loop places, it will say, oh, oh at 30,000 uh, 30, miles, there was an oil change. Mm. Uh, tires got rotated, so on and so forth. But with how many times I've been burned, <laughs> I tend to look for pre-owned cars at a dealership where I could, you know, hopefully pull service records or I find a private party that at least keeps some of the service records. Mm -hmm. 
No, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And I think for well, especially for those deals, because I think if it's if it's a dealer, you know, there's insurance with there, you could go find them. <laughs> you know, when you're buying buying from a private party, maybe it's a car you just saw on the side of the street that had a for sale sign on it. Mm-hmm, right. That's the time when you need to go in look for what you're talking about, those, you know, uh, the bolts that have uh, some damage to them or, you know, the, the thickness of the paint. I think that's a huge tip because a lot of times you could do a really, really good job with Bondo and a good painter and it won't look like anything is wrong with whatever happened and it could be a hole there or some massive issue that you uh, don't want to have to deal with or just indicates that this person's lying to you and that that could just be the you know the tip of the iceberg in terms of the problems that you're going to have with this car because this person lied about that so that's uh that's an enormous tip now did was the car okay or was it just that the the door had been replaced and they didn't mention it it looked like the door was replaced. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, whoever owned that car for the first three months of his life, probably somebody backed into them or one way or the other, that door was replaced. Mm. It was repainted. Uh, towards the end when my when me and my wife was selling that car, that door's paint started oh. cracking. Oof. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't even a good job. So it wasn't even a very good job. Oh, that's a bummer. Did you tell them at that point, the person who bought the car? That's the real test. (laughs) Are you going to tell the next person about it? We sold it to uh, CarMax. Oh, okay. Big corporation. (laughs) They they saw the damage. They saw the damage. Okay. No, well, and they and they have an inspection. Actually, if you go to CarMax, I think I've bought and sold. I don't know. 10, 12 cars at CarMax. Um, they'll just have you sit down. They'll go out and inspect. They have a clipboard. They'll yeah. go through a checklist, and they'll tell you exactly what's worth based on that. And actually, an old uh, used car dealer that I talked to when I was doing the auction stuff said, you know, a good appraiser of cars should be able to look at your car and tell you the mileage of you know, the car that they're looking at, just based on the aesthetics from the outside. And right. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. You could, a lot of times... People that are more experienced, they can look at the wear on your steering wheel. Mm-hmm. They can look at your seats. They can look. Oh, yeah. They can jack up your car, look at underneath all your suspension components and go, you say this car has 30,000 miles? No, I think it has 100,000 plus over. Oh, yeah. Because all those wear and tear items, whoever is selling you that car is probably not going to spend $5,000 getting all that stuff sorted. No. Well, and if they're willing to do that in the first place, they're probably keeping that they, car. They yeah, won't be selling knows? it to you. Yeah, well, and and they're not going to spend a bunch of money in general because they're trying to maximize what they're getting. And yeah. if it's uh, if they're offering it for a deal, then you know they're already losing that money from it, so they're not going to lose any more. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think I think your tips are fantastic. I think they're they're very easy to do, uh, super practical. You don't have to be a mechanic. All you have to do is look for these little telltale signs, and that would be a great checklist. So we'll probably you know talk in a little bit and come up with a checklist for uh, you know finding your dream car and making sure it's not a nightmare. There you go. Just yeah. made up the name for it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michael. Uh, this Thanks has been a ton me. of fun. Uh, we'll have to have you back on soon. I'd love to talk about rotaries, kind of, you know, how they work, uh, why you like them. And hopefully when that new car comes out, you could uh, get one. And we'll talk about if it's as good as your, your first car ever, the 89. Sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time for more vehicle talk as well as how to, you know, find vehicles that you actually like and will enjoy into the future.